0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box. Your headlines this hour, former U.S. pandemic hotspots reopen for business as Florida, New York, New Jersey and Connecticut prepare to allow most businesses now to operate at full capacity. That news helps send the Dow and the S&P higher with retailers leading gains. U.S. President Joe Biden looks to build support for his spending program as Republicans describe the plans as an economy and jobs killer. But the president says it's the right move. Republican voters overwhelmingly support it. Now I just got to get some of my Republican colleagues to support it.
1: Uh, the U.S. and U.K. apparently reinforcing their special relationship as Britain hosts the first in person G7 foreign ministers summit in two years with the group seeking to counter threats posed by Moscow and Beijing.
2: It is not our purpose to try to contain China or, or to hold uh, China down. What we are trying to do is to uphold the international rules-based order that our countries have invested so
1: much in. Plus Vivendi Media said well it looks like they're calling a truce agreeing a deal to end their years-long legal battle for the French group to sell down the majority of its stake in the Italian broadcaster. And as we continue to take the
0: pulse of earnings season, we get views from the C-suite with Adeco's Corum Williams, Alexander Lassik from Pandora, and S4 Capital's Sir Martin Sorrell will be on the programme, as well as the CEOs of TeamViewer, Infineon and Telenor.
1: got me worried now. I'm just hoping at least two of those CEOs are on street signs rather than scoreboards. I haven't prepared for them. All uh, right, let's move on. Good morning to you, my friend. How are you? Very well, very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although you shouldn't be here, should you? Oh. Do we yeah. need to go? Do we need to explain this? No, we don't. No, okay, we don't. let's, let's not. move on. Let's, let's move on because the United <laughs> States is reopening for business. Uh, Florida suspended its remaining COVID 19 restrictions on Monday as New York, New Jersey, and, I love to say New Jersey, sorry. New Jersey and, and Connecticut signal most rules will be lifted by May 19th. Around 44% of eligible Americans have now received a COVID-19 vaccine. Not bad, America, just behind the Brits. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I mean, they're both very impressive figures. Let's have a look at these US markets. There is a lot to say, actually, despite the fact that, you know, you look at this, okay, Dow's up 0.7%, 238 points, pretty solid stuff there as well. Energy had a good time. I'll come to retail a little bit later. S&P was up three-tenths. NASDAQ just giving back a little bit of ground, five-tenths of 1%. Actually, consumer discretionary, which is a metaphor really in subsectors for Amazon, just giving back a little bit of ground. But I've just, I've got a theory and it's just today's theory, it'll be different tomorrow. But is the market getting kind of quite relaxed about big, big numbers? And I'll I'll come to this now because like, you know, the fact that the tri-state is opening up is a really big thing uh, in the US as well. And of course, what it means for bricks and mortar. So let's have a look at some of the the online retailers who also have rather large operations in bricks and mortar. And as viewers will know from yesterday, I, for once, have done a bricks and mortar shop with my family to a big mall here in the UK. And I found it, A, thoroughly impressive, and B, really interesting, the number of retailers seeing heavy, heavy activity. So Gap put on 7% yesterday. Nordstrom put on 6% as well. Macy's 8% to the good. The S&P Retail ETF also uh, had a decent rally as well. I mean, look at that, 2% higher, but 22% up in the last three months. And we have had a a big rally before the last three months as well. So let's have a look at transports as well. Of course, people hoping more activity, more freight activity, uh, 1.8% higher. Again, 25% higher. And and again, I I would look at these numbers. I'll just show you one thing. Here we go. I'll just, I've unloosened up because that means I'm going for the big stretch. Okay. 12 month, 386%. I mean That's huge, isn't it? It's huge. Three, uh, I, I admire Jay Powell. I admire the economists who are backing him up as well, because he's not, strictly speaking, an economist. Because the fact of the matter is, they, they still think it's transitory. They still think it's base effects. And it, and it could well be. But I don't know. I wouldn't ever profess to know whether that's transit or whether it's actually about real factors, structural factors in the U.S. economy. Good factors. Let's be honest about it. Whether it's Canadian lumber or U.S. lumber. And we know there's been issues there as well. The fact that the need is there so aggressively and there's concern. There's also concerns about mites, I think it is, affecting some of the um, the capacity of some of the Canadian uh, lumber to come down south as well. So, yeah, it's great. But. You know that's transitory. That's great. As long as they know it's transitory. I, I couldn't possibly uh, judge that, given these enormous, ridiculous moves, 385%. Anyway, let's have a look at the 10 years. It's done nothing, actually, by the way. Point, 1.604. It actually gave back a little bit ground from its highs of the previous 24 hours. Five-year trading, 0.82. Uh, and for your 30-year paper, you get 2.29. So let's have a look at the dollar crosses as well. Uh, if and I'm just going to make this point to Jeff before he gets to a wonderful bit of tape. And I'll come over. What's that? There's some massive numbers out there as well. And I think that lumber figure just shows you, you know, how big the numbers are. And I know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the manufacturing ISM figures. Massive numbers. Yeah. And the earnings figures. Of course, massive amount of beats. In fact, of the companies that have reported so far, 306 reported in the S&P, 268 have been beats. Does beg the question what on earth the other 38 companies were thinking about. I mean, come on, this is the season to show your beat as well. But the year-on-year the year growth in the numbers, the earnings, is like, it's huge. It's off the risk scale, like 53%. We know why. But again, massive numbers there. Massive numbers on the manufacturing ISM as well. Uh, and the markets, are they beginning to tire of some of these extraordinary figures? I wonder.
0: Uh I mean, the problem is just the valuation, isn't it, and the flow of money and the impression we get at the moment that just in some quarters institutions are pulling away a little bit from committing new money at this stage. And I'll go back to it. I mentioned it a few times uh, over recent programmes, but I was very struck with that Bank of America Merrill Lynch report where they suggested that they were seeing institutional and hedge fund flow just stepping back at the moment and obviously um to continue to achieve new highs these markets need share buyback rates to continue to be strong and they also need those institutions to be seeding new money into the markets. so the retail flow continues to be strong in the states but um, at the moment, it does feel as though there's just a little bit of consolidation trade going on. And I know
1: you love it. You love an old adage as much as I do. An old right. market meme, meme or whatever. Anyway. Yes. Um, and Peter, um, yeah. who is one of our kind of stats guys in the States, put some great numbers. One of our producers, actually. Um, he put out something yesterday. It's Peter Shack now. So hello, yeah. Peter. Good morning to you. Um, we've all heard the old cliche selling man go away. But for the most part, no one has been listening in recent years. In the last eight years, the major averages have fallen only once in May. May. That was in 2019 in the midst of the worries over trade relations with China. Since 1950, the S&P has averaged an, a 0.17 positive in May. Now, I know what you're going to say next is actually it's not just about May, it's about the ensuing summer period as well, and, and, yeah. and, and maybe we'll set Peter to work on those stats. Uh, We
0: will uh, we'll come back to some of these stories. And of course, uh, just referring to the fact that you are here, obviously, uh, regular viewers will know that Karen is not. So, Karen, if you're watching this morning, get well soon and hopefully we'll see you back around the desk shortly. Let's pick up on the inflation story. Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin says he expects inflation pressures to ease next year. As the economy recovers from the pandemic, speaking to CNBC, Barkin said the impact of massive fiscal spending on prices will subside.
2: If you look at the elements of the PCE, there are roughly 175 of them. You'll see a lot of uh, prices that are up quite significantly. I think rental cars topped the list uh, last month, but you also see a lot that aren't. And so, uh, again, where, what you see is where you sit. I'm watching expectations very closely, uh, both survey-based expectations and market expectations. Uh, Those have firmed, but I'd say there's nothing in either one of those metrics that looks like you're seeing a a breakout uh, in inflation.
0: Tom Barkin there. Well, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has warned a planned tax hike on wealthy Americans could hurt the chance of passing a broad infrastructure spending program. But speaking at an event in Virginia, President Biden defended the tax rises, saying he wants companies and the rich to pay their, quote, fair share to help boost the recovery. The reason I'm bothering to do this is I keep hearing on the press Biden's going to raise your taxes. Anybody making less than $400,000 a year will not pay a single penny in taxes, and we will not increase the deficit either, unlike the last gigantic tax cut which increased the deficit by $2 trillion. It's about balancing the system and growing the economy. Well, as Steve was pointing out, we've had some big numbers and some that have been very attractive. But the U.S. manufacturing activity number actually was a a step back. It slowed to 60.7 in April. That was below estimates, but obviously anything above 50 is still expansion. This according to the latest ISM survey. The sector pulled back from the highest level in nearly four decades in March as an outburst of pent up demand put a strain on supply chains that are still recovering from the pandemic related well, lockdown. We're saying we're starting a <clears> sentence,
1: <throat> but with a 60 handle ISM, you yeah. know that something's going to, you know, the stats are hard to compare. The previous month was a 34 year high, I think, and people wanted a bit more 65, 64.7. They didn't get it, and that's their disappointment, mm-hmm. I suppose. Right, let's have a look at Austria Microsystems. Actually, it's not called that anymore, it's called AMS. Uh, and the first quarter figures revenue 5.2. Big pardon. 1.5 billion US dollars adjusted operating EBIT margin of 11%. Uh, AMS Osram expects a further positive business development in light of certain seasonal effects, with revenue of 1.43 to 1.53 billion dollars. Group revenues were 9% lower sequentially compared with a strong quarter in the fourth quarter of last year. What else can I tell you? They've reconfirmed their overall financial target model, which looks for double-digit average revenue growth in percentage terms. Uh, an adjusted operating profitability of 20 to 25%. What's coming up on the show, Jeff?
0: Uh, Adeco. We uh, are going to have a look at the numbers as the company reports arise in first quarter sales volumes. Uh, We have the staffing company's CFO, Coram Williams, with us. That's coming up in just a moment. And for a look at some of the day's biggest corporate earnings in Europe, check out the Squawk Box podcast. We'll be back after the break. Oh, we're back, everybody. Let's take a look at uh, some, some numbers here from ADECO. So the headline on these uh, first quarter sales, uh, robust start to 2021, the group Posting a 2% rise in first quarter sales. Uh, that an increase in organic revenues in the first three months. Gross margin up by 80 basis points to 20.1%, uh, according to the Swiss business. Let's get to uh, Corum Williams, who's the CFO of ADECO. Corum, good morning to you. C- can you just flesh out the quarter for us then? Um, how encouraging is this then in terms of the broader reopening for the year?
2: So good morning. Um, it's nice to be back on. Uh, in terms of the the quarter, we've had a we've had a robust start. It's been a good performance, back to growth. So up two percent on revenues. Strong gross margin development. Good cost control and a strong EBITA margin of four point two percent, which is industry leading. So it's been an encouraging start. I think the thing I'd say though is that it is very dependent on the way in which the economies develop around the world, and that in turn is dependent on the way in which restrictions are lifted and the vaccination programme uh, gets underway in various countries. So, you know, we're encouraged by where we're at, but there's still some degree of COVID-related and economic uncertainty.
0: Which business lines in particular are starting to reflect that pick-up? Obviously, you're you're big in outplacement, you've got some some important business lines uh, around um, uh, outplacement, as I mentioned. J- just tell us where you see the strength coming through early.
2: Sure. I mean, the, the flexible placement business, which is the ADECO brand, is up 2%. So that's a, that's a big part of the recovery. Part of that is because obviously you know, it, uh, it, it, it was impacted at the beginning of the crisis. But now it's starting to pick back up as the demand for flexible labor grows. But as you said, we've also got a couple of other business lines, career transition, which continues to grow. And we're starting to see a pickup in our permanent recruitment businesses as well. So, you know, there are some encouraging signs about the way that growth is starting to come back.
1: Corin, really nice to see you this morning. Um, North America, I think, it was certainly in 2020, was one about 17% of your business. Uh, I don't know what the figures are this year. But, but, but in the States, obviously, big number of jobs coming back. And we'll get more news on that at the tail end of the week as well. But I thought it was fascinating that 20% of the lowest paid workers, this is as of February, were still unemployed, compared with 6% of the highest paid as well. Is this a disproportionate recovery economically and in terms of jobs?
2: I think in in terms of the way in which the recovery is coming back, it's very much driven across the world by restrictions and the way they get lifted. I think in terms of the US, what we're seeing is that the career transition business has been strong during the period of uncertainty. We're now starting to see a pickup in permanent recruitment, which is across the wage scale. And we're starting to see signs of recovery in the flexible labour market. So I think, it's, I think it's a bit more broad-based um, than you're suggesting, but, you know, clearly it's very dependent on the way in which the economy recovers, which in turn is about the way in which we emerge from the crisis.
1: Yeah, and those figures were um, state, out of the state. So I mean, obviously it could be different on a global basis as well. Cor- Corum, um Uh, How far behind are we in Europe as well? We've talked about this, uh, Jeff and I, and you'd have probably been aware of the same facts 10 years ago that we came out of the GFC so much slower in Europe and we reformed our banks so much slower. Our vaccination process on this side of Atlantic, by and large, is slower as well. The economic recovery and stats look much slower as well. Uh, Are we just destined to be slower on this side of the pond? I think,
2: you know, we are seeing that where countries have been quick- to vaccinate, and where they've been quick to lift the restrictions, you see a stronger return to growth. That's clearly the case in certain parts of Asia, clearly the case in the US, and I think also in the UK, we're starting to see those green shoots come through as the programme gains momentum. In, in other parts of Europe, to be honest, it, the, the, the return to growth is a little bit more muted because those programmes are a little slower. I, I think, to be fair, though, it's likely to be temporary. I think this is about the speed of recovery. And once those vaccination programs get traction, once they're really underway, I think you'll start to see a stronger return to growth in other parts of continental Europe. That's certainly what our figures suggest.
1: Um, wages, Coram. I suppose you knew that question was coming. Wages, inflation—is it becoming embedded? You mentioned twice now that actually permanent jobs, and that's great news for many people. Permanent jobs uh, are becoming a, a little bit more of the norm now. Again, um, any hopes on the wage front?
2: Well, I know there's a there's a real debate on this at the moment. I, I have to say, when I look at our business. There are pockets of wage inflation, so for example, Latin America, certain parts of Eastern Europe, but generally speaking, actually, we're not seeing much wage inflation. And I think that's because you know, the tightness of the labour market that we saw before the crisis has been eased slightly by what's going on. So at the moment, no broad-based wage inflation, but clearly we're keeping an eye on it pretty closely.
0: Uh, And Coram, I don't want to seem as though I'm talking my own book here, but um, of the um, demographics that were impacted by COVID, it was very much at the just getting their careers off the ground, sort of up to the 30s and then the over 50s. And I know the company has talked uh, in the past about how permanent white collar jobs may not come back very strongly this year. What are you seeing early on? Are there people who are just voluntarily taking themselves out of the workforce in that category because they can't get a new permanent fixed position? I think typically
2: um, the flexible placement, flexible labour market comes back a bit more strongly in the early stages of a recovery. And, And you can see that in our numbers. So the ADECO brand is up 2%. Um, our professional and permanent recruitment businesses are a little more subdued than that. But the thing that's encouraging um, is that actually, particularly in the US, we're starting to see signs of momentum here. So, you know, there's sequential improvement in our US recruitment business. Uh, not seeing quite the same in Europe yet, probably because of the those restrictions and the and the delays in the vaccination program. But where things are really starting to pick up, you're seeing momentum in Perm. Um, so, it's probably too early to call it a trend, but there's definitely some signs of recovery in that market.
0: Just briefly on the on the share buyback, obviously picked up again in April. Um, how are you and the board thinking about uh, a further buyback programme later in the year?
2: Well, so we recommenced the 600 million buyback at the beginning of this month. As you said, we put it on hold at the beginning of the crisis because we felt it was prudent to do so. We didn't have a great deal of visibility. We do feel now that the business is starting to recover. And remember, we've also got a strong balance sheet that it is the right thing to do to start. But actually, we're going relatively slowly at the beginning because there's still uncertainty. Visibility still isn't perfect. Clearly, if things improve further, you know, you'd expect us to to look at that again and perhaps speed things up. But at the moment, we think we've got the pace right. And it's 600 million over three years. So, you know, it's a significant buyback um, over a decent period of time.
1: Um, If you look in the depths, Geoffrey, of the ADECO website, you can find the ADECO Uber jobs portal. You know, it's actually rather interesting. Um, But uh, with that in mind, Coram, have the times change now and actually the the uber delivery type companies of the world are they going to start paying employees as employees on a more regular basis and is that going to up their inflation of wages
2: well i think there are a couple of trends actually going on uh, as a result of the the crisis which are helpful to us one of those is you know i think there's an increasing formalization of the gig economy which we can help with so we are partnering for example with Uber in certain territories to help them with, uh, w- with the way in which they manage their, uh, their workers. And, and there's also a, a more general move towards new economy players, which also benefits us because they tend to use more flexible staffing, uh, more of our services. So, you know, there are a couple of, couple of shifts that have happened, I think, as a result of the crisis, which are benefiting us. And, and we're very pleased to help partner because we think we're part of the solution in this.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, nice to see you today, Coram, as ever. And we look forward to seeing you one day back in London. Have you seen Coram's uh, Twitter page, by the way? No, go on. Well, he's really embracing the whole Zurich thing. There's a big, big, big well, there's got a lovely picture of him, of course. maybe yeah. taken a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, there's, um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a big picture of a cow on the mountainside. It's all very Julie Andrews, you know. Lovely. All we need is him to start singing The Hills Are Alive. <laughs> no, no, don't do that, Coram. It's a family show. Well, <laughs> I promise you. I won't. <laughs> nice to see you guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless he's going to line up his children at the bottom of the stairs. And Has he got all... seven? I don't know. I think he might have, yeah. Gorham, loving to see you, sir. Thank you very much indeed. Gorham <laughs> Williams, the CFO of a Decade. Uh, India has reported over 357,000 new daily COVID-19 cases, bringing the country's total number of infections to over 20 million. It's the 13th day in a row that new infections have topped 300,000. It comes as the World Health Organization says it's monitoring 19 strains, including the triple mutant variant. Variant, Wow, triple mutant variant that has been wreaking havoc in India.
0: Uh, meanwhile, in Germany, they are set to lift restrictions on people who've been vaccinated against COVID-19 as early as this week. A bill was approved yesterday by the German Virus Task Force saying those injected will no longer have to adhere to the nation's curfew or curb social gatherings. Some have denounced the move, arguing it discriminates against younger people who have not yet been offered the vaccine. The US FDA is reportedly set to authorise the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for children aged 12 to 15 by early next week. In March, Pfizer had said their vaccine showed strong antibody responses in young teens. If granted, the approval could be a step towards achieving herd immunity in the US. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box
1: Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
0: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho, weekdays on CNBC.